everyone. Thanks for checking out the Citizens Podcast. We are the high school student ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Sundays at 11 a.m. in the student wing. If you enjoy this podcast, we would love it if you posted it on your Instagram story and tag at NBC Citizens. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy. All right, so we are wrapping up our series on idols and just a little like promotion next week. We're starting a new series, and I am actually also very excited about it. Uh, it is one of the most exciting and interesting book in the Bible, so we're going to do uh, somewhat of a book study, and it is a series on the book of Hosea. So I don't know how familiar as you are with that book, but it is one of the craziest stories that you ever find in the Bible uh, about love and how God is demonstrating his love for the nation of Israel through this man, through this prophet, and this prostitute. And so it's going to be a great series. You don't want to miss it. I will encourage you. Some of you are like, I saw you, some of you boys like just woke up. But you don't want to miss this. You want to invite your friends. You want to invite people so you can learn about God's redeeming love. And, um, and so I'm excited. That's going to start next week. Uh, so don't miss it. But today we're finishing up our series on idols. And we talk about idols. And we talk about how idols is, uh, are the human attempt. Like anything that is an idol is, our, is when we attempt to create something to represent what we worship. So we talk about how cultures throughout history, throughout all ages, all the ages, you have seen how uh, people have created images, tools, objects, things like that for the purpose of demonstrating their, their, who they worship. So for the God of the sun, they would, they would get together and craft something to represent this is the God of sun, and they will worship that. They will sacrifice to that. They will, they will do things to themselves for the sake of that. And then we have seen how throughout history they have developed and changed in so many areas. We talk about how there are religions out there that are very visuals on those things. They are very, like they don't even hide it. And, and, and as a matter of fact, yesterday I was at a wedding and it was at a Catholic church and I was blown away again by all the idolatry and all the imagery that they had there. Things that they look at those things, people, individuals, saints, that they, they, they look at them and they will worship those things. All idols, all things that they would in their desire, in their thoughts, their thinking, if we do this, do this, if we worship, if we devote ourselves to these things, they're going to give us what we want which is what we talk about idols, how idols are always a problem of the heart that shows our self-centeredness. It is a problem of the heart that it always shows our self-centeredness. Anyone that idolizes something, it is because they want something out of it. When you idolize a relationship, it's because you want that relationship to give you something. When you idolize a job or a career or, or success, it's because you want those things to give you something. So whatever that is that you have in your life that you will call, oh, this is an idol, it is an idol for you because you want that to give you something. Now here's what's interesting about idols. It's that we look at an idol and we are hoping and our desire and devotion and strength is that that very thing will give us what we want. But the moment that it doesn't give it what we, what we want, instead of going back to the idol and complain at it and be mad at it and just curse at it if you want, we turn to God and we do those things to him. When you are in a relationship and you think that that relationship is going to give you something, maybe it's that 
fulfillment, that, that, that fear of being alone is now being fixed. Now you don't feel alone. But you think that that relationship will fix that, that struggle. And when it doesn't, you know what you do? You turn to God. You don't turn to that relationship and blame it on the relationship. You blame it on God. And you're like, God, why would you allow me to be in this relationship? Why would you allow this thing to, over, to overwhelm me and to do whatever, you know? And the same will be true about sports. Same will be true about any areas in your life that you will say it's an idol. And last week we asked and we talked about how we, my prayer, and I hope that you also did this if you were here last week, that throughout the week you pray that God will reveal what are the idols in your life. Because here's the reality. We all worship something. All of us in this room worship something. The question is, or the reality is, if that thing that you worship is not God, then it is an idol. But we all worship something. Worship meaning that paying homage, paying your devotion, paying your, your, your attention, paying all your, your desire, your strengths, your thoughts, your, what consumes you. We all do that to something. And if it is not God, then it is an idol. So we asked last week, what are the idols that you have? And we asked, that, that, and we asked the question, will you be willing to let, them, to let them go? If you have an idol, which we all do if we don't worship God, if you have an idol, are you willing to give it up? So we're going to be in the book of Exodus 32. I apologize, for, but today we're not going to have uh, PowerPoints. So you're going to have to follow with your phones or your, you know, if you did bring a Bible or just pay attention. I would ask that if you're on your phone, don't feel the temptation of switching to a different apps and get creative and start watching things or, or following, you know, playing something. You know, just don't be that guy. Don't be Stewie. He's like, what did I do? <laughs> where, where you, see, the Lord, you laid that on my heart, Stewie. Oh, that's, that's my man. That's my man. Be like Stewie then. All right, Exodus 32. So we talk about this story of the golden calf, which is the reason why we named the series. And we talk about how the nation of Israel had just done something crazy. They have left the nation of Egypt, this, this major uh, empire that was the richest and most powerful empire in the entire world. The nation of Israel that at one point was welcomed and was embraced by the Egyptian. They have turned their back on them and now they were slaves. They were abused. They were discriminated. They were hated. And so God is going to send someone named Moses to go there and to advocate for the, for the nation of Israel. And while the nation was there, they didn't see it. They didn't recognize. But back years before then, God had made a promise to a man named Abraham, where he said to him, out of your descendants, I'm going to make a great nation. And he also made a promise that to that nation, he was going to give them what they would call a promised land, a land where honey and milk flows, where it's, the land is fruitful, where it's great for, for them to establish and to be this great nation that God had promised to Abraham. But things had happened throughout that time that led the nation of Israel to be in Egypt. And while in Egypt, in captivity, God sends Moses, and through ten plagues that he allowed Moses to perform and to do to demonstrate the power of God, the nation of Israel is let go. 
In the midst of all of this, the nation of Israel is now wandering in the desert. And because they were wandering in the desert, they, they, God knew of their necessities and God knew of what they needed in order to survive. So two very simple things that God did that was amazing. It was incredible at the time. One, that every single day, every single day, God will make manna rain from heaven. Manna being kind of like a, like a bread, something that will sustain them. Now imagine yourself that every morning when you wake up before you go to school, you will step outside and just a piece of, you know, croissant just fall on, 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 your, on your lawn. And that's why you have breakfast every day. And you had enough for you to eat that all day. That's what it was for the nation of Israel. It was a daily reminder to them that God was going to sustain them. Not only that, every night being in the desert, if you've ever been in the desert in the DR, there's a desert, and we've been there very late. And surprisingly, you will think that it will be hot, but it's not. It's pretty, it gets pretty cold uh, in the absence of the sun. And so in that time when it was cold and they had no direction on where to go, they didn't have flashlight like we did. They didn't have any uh, GPS. God will send out a fire, a cloud of fire for them to be able to see the direction that they needed to go. This is how visual it was for them to see who this God was. I mean, if you were the nation of Israel, there was no doubt in your mind of who this God was and how powerful he was. And and beyond that, God performed miracles. He demonstrated to them when they faced major adversaries, people, armies that were double the size or number, and how when there were few, uh, although there were few of them, they will destroy these armies and no one could stand their ground. This was the God that they had met. This This is the God that has revealed himself to them. And so in the midst of this, God is going to call Moses to have a conversation with him. And so Moses is in this mountain talking with God, interacting with God. And for 40 days and 40 nights, he was absent. This nation of Israel that, keep in mind, in those 40 days that although, although Moses was not there physically, God continued to provide for them manna from heaven and a cloud of fire and night. That despite the fact that those things were still happening, evidently happening, they dared to say among each other, this guy Moses that delivered us out of the nation of Egypt has gone. We don't know where he's at. So we need to come together and make this golden calf, make this image so that we can worship it because that's the person that's going to deliver us out. And so they gathered all the earrings. They went, they went to all the golden earrings about from the wives, from the men. They went to Pastor Brian. They got the ear, his earring. And they gathered all of this stuff. And, they, and uh, Aaron, the brother of Moses, who has been there through it all, who has witnessed God firsthanded doing miracles, who was the one that spoke in the name of God, because if you, if you remember, or maybe you didn't know this, Moses wasn't afraid of speaking publicly, so God used Adam, Aaron to be his, uh, um, what is it, word, communicator in, in his place. And so this man that saw firsthand everything that had happened, he said, okay, well, gather all the earrings, all the gold that you have, and let's craft this image. And they craft the image, and then they say, this is the image that delivered you out of Egypt. Now imagine that. This is the thing that got you out of Egypt. Not God, not the God that sent 10 plagues to Egypt and, and, and crumbled this major empire, who humbled everyone there, who destroyed the Pharaoh who was believed to be a God himself. 
Not only that, the God that every single day has provided for us day and night. Not him. This animated object. This thing that has no value. This thing that is powerless. And we talk about how you and I have that tendency in our mind. That we think that idols are capable of providing things for us and nothing else can. And we will devote ourselves to keep, to protect, and to serve those idols with the hope that it will give us something that they can't. And so today we're going to see what continues to happen in the story. So in the story, after they had created the, the golden calf, Moses, God is going to tell Moses, hey, hey, you better get down there. And I'm going to read it just for context in verse 9. In 10, it says this, and the, or verse 7, And the Lord said to Moses, Go down, for your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed it to it, saying, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And not only that, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them in order that I may that I may make of them a great nation. So they make this, this, this golden calf. God knows it. He tells Moses, hey, I'm going to let it loose of my wrath on these people because they are stiff-necked. They are ignorant. They are not wise. They're not the type of people that realize the mistake that they're making. And so Moses, for the next few verses, is going to advocate with God on the behalf of the nation of Israel, where he's going to say, do not kill them, because if you kill them, then you're going to prove to everybody around that you are not anything different than the, the gods of the Egyptian. So he's going to advocate for them. And so we're going to jump in on verse, uh, on verse, 20, uh, on verse 19, which is where we're going to start seeing how it is that you and I need to deal with idols. If you have an idol in your life, the chances are, 99 or 100% of us have an idol in our life. It's just a matter of whether we want to accept it, acknowledge it or not. But there are things in our life that we will call them an idol. If you do, which I will say all of us in this room do, then this is how we should deal with them. Verse 19, the story continues and it says, And as soon as Moses came near the camp and saw that the calf and the dancing, uh, 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 and the dancing, Moses' anger burned hot. And he threw the tablets out of his hand and broke them at the foot of the mountain. Now, this is key here because a few verses ago, it, we get a description of these tablets. This were tablets that is said that God himself bring them, not, bring them, them or had, wrote on them. That the hand of God was the one that made the, the writings on these tablets. It was something remarkable. It was something special. And Moses is so angered by what he's seen in the camp, by the, the, the delusion of the people, by the disobedience of the people, that his anger is burning so hot that this valuable piece that he has, he throws it out and breaks it. Verse 20, and he took the calf. And, and this verse here is crazy. He took the calf that they had made and burned it with fire and ground it in powder and scattered them on the water and made the people of Israel drink it. What a flex right there. This man came down the mountain. He sees the calf, the golden calf. He burns it. 
Not only does he burn it where there's, not, there's barely nothing there, whatever was left of this golden image, he goes and he scattered them around the water that the nation of Israel would drink from. And not only that, he goes and tells them, hey, now you drink that idol. Imagine you being one of them. It's insane. You were just a few minutes ago worshiping the things, and now you're drinking it. It's powerless. There's nothing in it. The story continues, verse 21. And Moses says to Aaron, what did these people do to you that you have brought such a great sin upon them? He's confronting his brother. What did these people do to you that you, are, that, you, that, that, that you brought such a great sin upon them? And Aaron said to them, let not the anger of my Lord burn hot. You know the people. He's trying to give an excuse. You know, and this is typically what you and I do when confronted with the reality that we have idols. We come up with excuses. He says, you know these people that they are set on evil. For they said to me, make us God who shall God before us. And for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what, the, what has become of him. And look at what you do. Not only do you come up with excuses, you lied about them. Next verse, and the continuing of the verse, it says, and Adam said, uh, uh, Let's see, I lost my, um, and Aaron said, let not the anger of my Lord burn hot. You know the people that they have said on evil. But they said to me, make us idol who, sh- uh, who shall go before us at this Moses, the man who brought out of the land of Egypt. We do not know what has become of him. And so this is the light that he says. So I said, so I said to them, let any who have gold take it off. So they gave it to me, and I threw it on the fire, and out came this calf. The lie that he's telling them is like, hey, I went, Moses, don't be mad at me. Look, I, you know these people. They're, they're tough people. They're, they're a tough crowd. They're difficult to navigate with. And so they came to me and they require of me, they asked me to create a golden image or an idol because you were not around. We, 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 didn't, we didn't know where you were for the last 40 days. And so I did. I went to them and I said, well, go ahead and gather all the earrings and golden stuff that you have. And I just simply grabbed them and throw it on this fire and out of it came a golden calf. Well, the story will tell you, if you were to read a few verses back, that's not exactly what happened. We're told how Aaron specifically crafted this image, this golden calf. He, with his own hand, did this. But the reality is that when it comes to idols, not only we come up with excuses, we try to come up with lies to justify what is that we're embracing. We come up with lies to try to make ourselves feel better. And so the story continues. And then Moses saw that the people, uh, wait, so I said to them, let not, so I said to them, so they gave it to me and I threw it into the fire and out of it came the calf. Verse 25, and when Moses saw that the people had broken loose, for Aaron had let them break loose to the derision of their enemies, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, who is on the, on the Lord's side. So he sees what's going on. He's standing on this gate and he says, he just says, hey, who's here is on the side of God? Who's here is for God? And out of that they came to me and all of the son of Levi gather around him. This group of people, this thrive, out of 12 thrive, this was the one thrive that all of them chose to step up and choose the side of God. And so, so he says in verse 27, and he said to them, thus said the Lord of God of Israel, put your sword on your side, each of you, and go to and fro from gate to gate throughout the camp. And each of you kill his brother and his companions and his neighbors. And the son of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And that day about three thousand men of the people fell and Moses said 
Today you have been ordained for the service of the Lord, each one at the cost of his own and his own brother, so that he might bestow a blessing upon you this day. What a crazy imagery of, is that, of what crazy uh, situation is happening here. Not only does he make them drink the water, he gives them an opportunity to say, if there is anyone he, who's here is for God. And only this tribe, these people from this tribe, chose to take his side. And so Moses then is going to command them and say, hey, then go out and punish anyone that chooses to follow these gods. And they did. And we're told that only uh, one of the third of, of the nation of Israel stood that day. That's a crazy story. It's a true story of how Moses, an emissary from God, was sent to deal with idols. Just on the story alone, without even dissecting it, without even explaining what's going on, we can clearly see how serious it's, it's to allow idols in your life. How the same God that when he came up with the commandments and said, you shall not worship any other God because I am a jealous God. I do not share with anything or anyone else what belongs to me. You see here in this story how that is clearly displayed to the nation of Israel. And by, you know, by effect, it, how, it's, if, uh, uh, um, how it's displayed to us today. We may not be in the camp of Israel, but today you and I, again, have idols in our life. Things that if we're not careful, we allow them to take this place that is only given to God. And what we tend to do is that we devote ourselves to the things, we give ourselves to these things, and when they do not give us what we want from them, we turn against God as the one who is at fault. We come up with excuses as to why we have to keep those idols. We lied about those idols. We do all of those things because we think in our human, insolent, and stupid mind, we think that idols are the things that can give us that the, the idols are the things that can give us what we're looking for. When we don't realize that everything that we look, everything that we need in life is found in our relationship with God. But instead of looking for that, we lie to ourselves. We lie to others. We come up with excuses because we don't want to deal with the idols. So how do we deal with this? I just have these three, few, uh, few three things real quick. Number one, we see in the story how Moses dealt with this idol. And I think that it, it may seem a little bit generic, but nonetheless, it's so important. And, it, and, it, and I made it like this way so that none of us here is sitting like, oh, I didn't know what I needed to do. No, no, no. You know how what to do with this. You know how to do this because it's going to be clear and simple. Moses, in his example that we see in verse 19, you will see that he dealt with the idols with urgency and severity. He didn't sit on it. He didn't wait on it. He didn't just think to himself, hey, I'm going to deal with this tomorrow. You know, I've been gone for 40 days. I miss these people. I'm going to interact with them. He didn't do any of those things. The moment he came down, he was so angered by what's going on that he was willing to break this incredible piece of creation that it was this uh, tablet where we are told that the hand of God was the one that wrote on this thing. He was willing to let go of that so that he will deal with the idols that this nation have made. 
He was urgent, and he was dealt with it severely because he knew what the nation of Israel had done. They had rebelled against God himself. This nation had allowed something to take the place that was given, that was meant to be only for God. You and I do the same thing when we allow idols in our life. And I don't need to go on a list of things. I know you know what are your idols. I know you know very well what are the things in your life that control you. The things in your life that have a way of affecting your emotions. The things in your life that have a way of influencing the decisions that you make. Those idols, when you allow them to take the place of God in your life, you need to deal with it with urgency and severity. That's what we see in Moses going down. Number two, we see in the, in the verse 20, which is a crazy verse, we see how he dealt with it, how he removed from it completely. So for application for us today, it's not only you need to deal with the idols with urgency and severity. You need to remove them from your life. If there is something that has the potential of taking the place of God in your life, you need to remove it from it completely. Here's what is the story. And, and I mean, I, I wish that I was there. And I hope that in heaven that there's a way to look back at you know, like if it was like a movie that you could see like back throughout history. But this will be a cool thing to go back and see how these people were literally dancing, celebrating, eating, sacrificing, doing all this stuff. And out come Moses coming down and says, hey, burn that thing. Not only burn that thing, scatter whatever is left out of that and put it on water and now you drink it. Imagine you sitting there and being told that to you. Moses, by doing this, is demonstrating to them how powerless and insignificant this thing that was. That what they thought was, gonna, was the reason why they came out of Egypt, that what they thought that was going to be the thing that was going to help them in the future, that what they thought it was the thing that was going to sustain them and provide for them, Moses is demonstrating how useless and insignificant it is and how destructive it is for their life. And so he removes him completely. Are you willing to remove that idol of your life completely? And here's where it gets tough. Because for at your age, chances are for the majority of you that the idols that you have is a relationship. Maybe a boyfriend, maybe a girlfriend, maybe just a friend in general. Someone that has the ability to control you. That all that you're thinking about is this person. That all that you're hoping for is this person. That when you go at night and you are alone this is what you're thinking, the desire of finding this person, all the fact that you have this person and you want to please this person. And in your mind, you think that so long as you have this relationship with this person, you're going to be okay. That so long as you have this with this person, you're going to be happy and content. This is an idol. Are you willing to let go of that? That's a tough one. Nonetheless, if it is taking the place of God in your life, if it is the thing that you're thinking about, if it is the thing that consumes you, if it is the things that, that, that moves you, if it is the things that uh, affect you, that controls you, and the list can go on, you need to deal with that. Not only with urgency and severity, 
but you have to be willing to remove it from your life. What does that look like? For some, it may mean that you have to break it up. For others, it may mean that you need time off. For others, it may mean that you need a new friendship, a new environment. But nonetheless, if you value God, if you value who he is, if you value what he's offered you and what he's willing to do for you, then anything else comes second. And you have to be willing to remove it from your life. Number three, I would say from verse 25 and verse 29, you'll see that they, you have to repent from it and you have to choose to be set apart. It is interesting to me that after what Moses had just done, he gives them an opportunity to the nation of Israel. Okay, all right, you guys screw up. You guys messed up. You have an opportunity now to choose. Either you want to follow God, the one who has been with you through all this time, the one that even in the midst of me being absent for the 40 days, he provided day and night things for you, the one that it has promised you this, this great land, are you, willing to give, are you willing to choose him or are you going to choose this inanimate object that we have just destroyed, that you have just drank it, that is nothing with this, that is powerless? Are you choosing that or are you choosing God? And you see that in that moment only this thrive, the Levites were the ones that chose to get up and to stake a stand on the side of God. Ironically, these were the people that later on in the story of Moses and the nation of Israel, God is going to come to a point where he's going to create, it's going to ordain and, and instruct the nation of Israel to create a temple. A temple where it was believed that the presence of God was going to be there. That the actual presence of God was going to be there and it was a holy place that not everyone could go in. Only the few and that anyone that was to carry that thing that was not specifically instructed to do, we're going to struck down and be dead. Guess who were the ones that were the chosen one? The Levites. The Levites, the same one that chose to be on the side of God, were the ones that later on God will use throughout the history as being this thrive, this select group of people that are going to do what he wants them to do because they chose God, not their idols. If you have an idol in your life, which we all do, you should remove it from you completely. Ask God for forgiveness because you have failed, I have failed by allowing that in our life. And then from there, to continue to do what we can to be set apart. Now here's what happens when it comes to idols. Here's what it typically does. So let's say my idol is relationship. So I'm dating this girl named Maria. She's my girlfriend. I love her. Eric, today you have shown me that she's an idol. And you know what? You're right, Eric. She is an idol, so I'm going to get rid of it. But here's what we take to do. We just got rid of it. But while you're getting rid of it, you're looking for something else. And now you have a new idol. Now my new idol is Lauren. Man, I wish you would see her. She reads her Bible once a day. At least I think so, because she posted on Instagram. 
She is good looking. But she's not an idol. I mean, I go to bed and I only think about her, but she ain't an idol. And then you come to the realization, no, actually, she was an idol. And you get rid of that. For others, it may be sports. You think that if you play baseball, you are going to be special. That if you make it to the major leagues one day, you're going to be this incredible person. That as long as you're the best athlete in your school, you're going to do well. Maybe baseball, maybe softball. And so you devote your entire life to this. And now you realize that, oh, man, that's an idol, so you get rid of it. But what do you do? You find another one. And it may not be baseball, but now it's soccer. Now soccer is your idol. And the list can go on and on and on. The reality is, is that the tendency that we have, that you and I have, is that we can acknowledge that we have idols in our life. And you know, I think that you know by now what are the idols in your life. And you may be willing to suck to get rid of them. And some of you may actually get rid of them. But if you're not careful, what you're going to do is that you're going to go and find something else to make that your new idol. And so the cautions that I have for you guys as we conclude this time is to recognize what idols do to you. They affect you. They corrupt you. They destroy you in the long run. And they put you in a position where you are opposing God because you are allowing something or someone to take the place that was only meant to be for God. And so if that is true, you need to remove it. Deal with it urgently. Deal with it severely. Remove it from your life completely. You need to repent. And you need to be set apart. Set apart meaning that you're going to be different. And one way that you can be different is that once you remove it out of your life, you ain't going to go find another one to fill it. Instead, you're going to run to the only one, to the only person that can say to me and me, to you and me that I have come to give you life and life in abundance. That's who we should go after. That's who we should pursue. That's who we should worship. Let's pray. Everybody follow. Thank you so much for today. Thank you for the fact that you're here today. Thank you for the fact that you... Through your work, show us, Lord, that there are opportunities, there are things in our life that can become idols. And Lord, I pray that if that's the case with some of us today, which I believe that every single one of us today have idols in our life, Lord, that we will recognize what they are, Lord, that we will be willing to admit what they are, Lord. And Father, for looking at how Moses dealt with the golden calf, Lord, that we will be willing to do the same. It doesn't matter the cost. It doesn't matter how much it hurt. It doesn't matter what will cost after we get rid of them, Lord, but that we will be willing to get rid of them because we want to honor you. That we're willing to get rid of them because we want to follow you and because we want to get rid of them, Lord, because we love you. And we know that only in you, only in you, God, we can find anything that we need to sustain ourselves, to survive, and to live our life with purpose. And so I pray, Father, that we will seek after you and not on anything that this world may have to offer, but you only, Lord. And I pray this to be true of all of us in this room. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for coming, guys. Good morning, city.